0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minimans, standing at the ready to fight anew our life, liberty, and property, just like it's 1776, except this time it is much worse. We are here to guide you through it and offer that pathway out of this morass. It is a brand new week here. It is Monday. And there is a lot to do. You know, this dichotomy is so jarring where on the one hand, it's dead in the middle of the summer and everyone's going on their vacations. And, you know, despite all the hardships, people seem to have the money to take amazing vacations. I guess it's not bad enough. But on the other hand, you have this, what is it, two, three-week sprint until the August recess where Congress is going to go through things like the pandemic reauthorization bill, FISA reauthorization, the farm bill, and then most importantly, the budget bills and the Defense Authorization Act. And then you pick the top eight, ten civilization issues we have to deal with. And you pair them against those leverage points. There are so many play calls that need to be made, and we're going to make them, but no one else is doing. It reminds me a lot of the, the people playing music on the deck of the Titanic. You know, that, that first maybe hour or so of, of the sinking where people didn't realize what was going on, and there was no sense of urgency. And I look at my colleagues, and that's what it is. Where there is no sense of this is what's going on, this is what we need to do, federal level, state level, these primary elections. No, they enjoy the levity. They enjoy the show. And, you know, there's this new trend where there's a bunch of people like, and I'm talking about the people that claim to be part of this new conservatism, that they're red-pilled, and yeah, the old GOP is terrible. So they all look at DeSantis and they're like, "Ah, I don't know, I don't like what's going on. Uh, There's one person on Twitter not associated with the campaign that's too much of a never-Trumper, so I don't like him. All right, fine. But then you're not bothered by any of the things Trump's top surrogates, Bruce Jenner, the top groomer, not just the top groomer in the country, the first person to normalize the cross-dressing, but to normalize it on the supposed right and that he being one of the biggest surrogates meets with him all the time in Mar-a-Lago. You're not bothered by that? You're not bothered by any of the positions he's taken, any of the people around him, Lindsey Graham? No. No. And that's what bothers me. I don't care where you are. You know, I was looking back to my article. I might want to read some of it after Republicans lost the basically lost the midterm elections. And I I had a plan, a blueprint of what we can do to change the game with a fake Republican party. And none of it actually included addressing the presidential election at all. So if someone's like, hey, I don't want a new captain of the ship. I don't think DeSantis is good. But, you know, certainly Trump's not. Here's what we we need to evacuate. We need to get on the lifeboats. I'm all for that. that. That's kind of where I am. I, I don't think you can really uh, fix this sinking ship. So we work in the states to actually make the red states red. But as we talk about, because of the lack of focus on policy, pressuring the governors, the legislative sessions, and the primaries... They continue to adopt green energy, the tranny agenda in the States, all the time. Certainly the biomedical security vaccine agenda, that, except for Florida, they've never gotten off of. That's what bothers me about all these people. The Molly Hemingways, all these people, and Tucker Carlson. I'm talking about the better half, that on paper we kind of say we agree on the issues, but I'm not seeing a pathway to getting off of this other than I don't really like DeSantis, I'm bothered by things by him, and Trump's amazing, although he's not, but he kind of is, and everything they say is to benefit Trump, with no other avenue, no other strategy. So I want to delve into that a little bit with Tucker, and then talk about some of these strategies that I'm pushing, that are certainly being missed. First, our sponsor today, Jace Medical. It's not a question of if, but when, they will do it to you again. What do I mean, do it? i mean unleash a virus and then block the treatment for it so we have was pretty much the worst supply chain problem we've ever had the worst shortage with prescription medication and we live in an era one of the marquee characteristics of the fourth reich is to block what you need and then force upon you what you don't or what's harmful so they force upon you harmful harmful therapeutics and then make it that you can't get what you want. And I don't just mean the shortages. I mean, there's oftentimes your insurance gives you issues. The pharmacy gives you issues. We've all had this problem. So what Jace Daily does is they will back up, guarantee you a 12-month supply now before the blank hits the fan of whatever medications that you feel you need that you're on uh, blood pressure could be mental health, diabetes, you name it. And they will give you a 12 month supply. You go to jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com, put in promo code review for a discount, and you will get the peace of mind gained by having this kind of long term supply with you. And look, you know, yeah, you're going to have to pay out of pocket, but it's not bad. We had uh, one of our listeners said, She had five annual scripts for a total of 256 bucks. That's a full 12-month supply. Obviously, it depends on the medication. Uh, Certainly better than not being able to get it. So again, jacemedical.com, enter code review, Medical.com. So I feel like we're in this situation, a Jeremiah 227 situation. They say to Wood, you are my father, and to Stone, you bore us. For they turn to me their nape and not their face, is God speaking. And at the time of their misfortune, they say, arise and save us. Now where are your gods that you have made for yourself? Let them get up if they will save you at the time of your misfortune. For as many as your cities were your gods, O Judea. Why should you strive with me or strife with me? Meaning now you complain, I'm not there for you. All of you have rebelled against me, says the Lord. In vain have I smitten your children. They received no correction. Your sword devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. Is a very fascinating thing. God doesn't like to punish people. You know, people think God's like, I'm, I'm here to get you. No, he's not here to get you. Um, he wants a course correction. So he says, in vain I've smitten you because you don't learn your lesson. And we've gone through so much terrible things. The economy is terrible. We went through COVID, which is the worst thing in our country's history in many respects. The deaths are still piling up. Every bit of economic destruction is a legacy of that. People don't realize it. We're going we're gonna to talk tomorrow with an economist, um, an expert in banking about the Federal Reserve and and how pretty much every economic woe is a legacy of March 2020. Have him on tomorrow, Alex Pollock. If you have any questions, let me know. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. But obviously, it wasn't bad enough. The cultural rot. Obviously, it's not bad enough. Like I say, we're at a juncture where you have a gift of God in many respects. You have the weakest Democrat leader you could ever have, a guy literally embarrassing himself around the world, mumbles, stumbles. We've never had something like this. A guy with this degree of dementia as president. You have the public turning on the tranny agenda. And yet, we don't have a movement that will turn to God. That this is what I affirmatively believe. We need to get to this place on biomedical freedom. We need to get to this place on the border. This place on crime. This place on the tranny stuff. This place on energy and economic freedom. No, it's just met the, Trump. Met the Trump. Or just the daily kind of like, oh, here's um, what I want to talk about, my take on the, where the cocaine came from in the White House, kind of just responding reflexively day to day to what comes up in the mainstream news without any continuity of vision, of strategy, of policy, of outcomes. Well, Daniel, it doesn't matter. We're screwed anyway. So then we're screwed. So then what, what are you there for? Like somehow they're black-pilled, but then when it comes to Trump, oh, no, no, Trump. What, you really think he's going to save you? Are, you? are you insane? That's the thing. There is what to say that, you know, I, I just don't think DeSantis alone is really going to cut it. You know, and, and there's what to criticize about the campaign the last two months, you know, if it really matched the intensity of what he could deliver. I think he could deliver better, and we'll see what happens with that. But if you're bothered by that, then you sure as heck are bothered by the top people literally campaigning with him, with Trump. Bruce Jenner, Rick Grinnell, and Lindsey Graham. But no. It ranges from stone silence. Stone silence on the tranny stuff, the marriage stuff, celebrating gay marriage at a time like this, mandating it on the red states never bothered these people. There's nothing this man says, does personnel that will elicit a response from these same conservative influencers. So we're stuck in this weird position with a ship going down where, you know, the entire middle and independence that you need to win are against him. And really, half the GOP doesn't want him, but the half that listens most to this fake conservative media, they're kind of just bought into this just endless, oh, well, but the Trump. This Biden versus Trump. And there's no vision of what it is you want to accomplish. So I'm going to continue at any given time telling you what I feel we should do in the primaries. And I don't just mean presidential, but up and down the ballot. Legislative sessions, congressional sessions. All of it. You know, I'm looking back to my column from December, last December, about eight months ago. And I ironically did this after Republicans voted for gay marriage. Republicans killed us in that lame duck session. And I said, here's how to change the game. And I had a whole plan, pledge against um, bad Republicans that you're never going to vote for them, even in the general. Run independent candidates in the general where it makes sense. Continue to run primaries with better focus. Try to change state laws. And in a couple of states, you only need to change party rules to switch from popular primaries to state conventions and caucuses. And then focus on activism and pressure over issues, not just elections, and particularly at a local level. Create your enclaves. Create your lifeboats. It's achievable. Because if you don't do it now, then we're going to be like, the second hour of the Titanic where, you know, then everyone did want to get on and you couldn't, it was too late. And that's my concern. It's a nice summer. News cycle is kind of dead. So we could focus on the levity. But what is it you're going to do? I have a column out today. We'll talk about some of it. On 8-8, Policies that Republicans need to stand firm on this defense authorization bill. It's considered a must-pass bill. And in each category, I have a couple of amendments. So there's 1,480 amendments submitted to Rules Committee. Rules is going to choose tomorrow which ones to allow a vote on. Like, we should be driving the narrative on this. So um, with the help of one other friend of the show, I, I combed through all 1,500 amendments, And I put out a list of about whatever, you know, two dozen or so that I feel are important dealing with the critical issues, ending the racism in the military, terminating COVID fascism in the military, canceling the climate stupidity, defeating gender ideology, stopping the Ukrainian heist, targeting the waste and fraud of the military industrial complex, prioritizing our border as the primary mission for the military, and limiting the surveillance state that defense agencies have weaponized against Americans. And several <clears throat> amendments for each one targeting that. This is the type of thing that nobody is doing. <clears throat> and this is federal where you have to leverage control of the House. Imagine certain things at a state level where they have all three branches. And by the way, still, no other major talk show host has taken up the mantle of pressuring Christine Nohm about her allies, and she supports it, the eminent domain land grab of farmers' land to push this carbon capture pipeline. Every week, we discuss issue after issue all over the country, different states, federal, what could be done. That's the thing. You want to support Trump? I don't care. But the problem is, what I've noticed, what, a, what accompanies that, is this complete apathy for initiative on anything else that matters. Because it kind of goes hand in hand. If you don't like DeSantis, but you do like Trump that says something about you, I mean you'd be like, "Ah, I don't think DeSantis is enough." Yeah, all right, yeah, I don't think much of anything is enough based on where we are now. But if you believe that, you sure as heck wouldn't be in- into uh, into Trump. Again, they're bothered by they don't like like the never Trump tendencies of certain random people on Twitter that have no connection to the campaign they're like they're really turning me off and Bruce Jenner doesn't Bruce Jenner and Rick Greenell, who are the top people in Mar-a-Lago calling everyone homophobic that doesn't bother you there's not a word of criticism and I want to get to the man at the top on this because I think this is very important but first our final sponsor today putting our money where our mouth is Stop funding those who hate you, those who fund the Fourth Reich. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. It's a service we all kind of need, and they offer dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you can get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, uh, you're sending a message that you support free speech, you support religious freedom, life, Second Amendment, our military, or what it used to be, veterans and first responders—they <clears throat> have a hundred percent U.S.-based customer service team. That you know, you don't have to speak to some sort of Indian like you do with Verizon. You could keep your phone. You could keep your number. Just go to patriotmobile.com/cr or call eight seven eight Patriot. Get free activation today with offer code CR. Again, that's patriotmobile.com/cr or call eight seven eight Patriot. Make the switch today and ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. So Tucker Carlson is the number one voice. I think we'll all agree. He is the number one voice in right-leading media. I I would say he probably is the most influential. And everyone on the right, except for like the real hardcore rhinos, praises him that he he's amazing, he's a breath breath of fresh air. And no, I tend to agree, but I've noticed recently... And really, when he was at Fox, now he's not at Fox putting out these weekly or twice-weekly episodes, and I've noticed he's kind of stalled out, where he pretty much talks about Ukraine all the time, which, which, you know, I've been on that from day one. It's an important issue, but it's not the only issue, okay? It's not—I don't think it's the number one. Foreign policy in general needs to be de-emphasized. Now, it is harming us what we're doing, but it's the number one issue with him. It's almost the exclusive issue. Will not say a word about the good things DeSantis does, is starting to almost toss barbs at him and then promotes Trump. But then there's no other initiative. Like, okay, I mean, are, are you pushing the exact amendments on Ukraine <clears throat> in the NDAA and the budget bill like I am? Like, for example, imagine if so, so, so nothing matters but Ukraine. Okay? That's the only issue and he feels Trump's the best on that issue and that's why he, he, he supports Trump. Now, he doesn't say he's endorsing him, but he is. He is. Okay. Fine. But, you know, imagine if he got up there today and said, rules committee tomorrow. Can, can you imagine the power if he would focus his millions of viewers on rules committee tomorrow's meeting to vote out a rule they need to allow the following votes and pressure your members to vote yes for them on Ukraine. So I'm just giving the numbers. So you go to the rules committee website. They're listed in order of when they were just submitted. Number 1206, Matt Gates. That's categorically, unconditionally cuts off all aid. All okay? Now, let's say you feel we don't have enough support for that. okay. There's other things. 1273, Representative Andy Ogles from Tennessee prohibits the use of funds made available to Ukraine until Ukraine could certify that they are not using communications equipment owned, controlled, and operated by China. Okay, that's a good condition. 1256, another one from Andy Ogles and Scott Perry. He's the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Limits assistance to Ukraine until uh, the Secretary of Defense certifies to Congress, that Ukraine is not providing funding, equipment, training to support any neo-Nazi militia. This is something last decade even Democrats raised concerns about. Now suddenly they don't have concerns. Very These are the type of votes we need. Uh, Chip Roy has one, number 20, which it, it's not so much just Ukraine in a vacuum, but Ukraine very much ties in that makes it very clear that that Article 5 of NATO cannot be self-executing. What's Article 5? Basically commits us to helping support, you know, another ally when they're attacked. And we can't be on the hook for NATO's stupid adventures. So it basically ensures that prior to engaging in any hostilities on behalf of NATO, you need a congressional authorization of support. So these, these are four amendments. Now, I... I Obviously, when I'm just combing through 1500 amendments alone, I I can't vouch if there's maybe better language in a few others. I don't want to slight one member might have a similar language, maybe even better that I didn't see. But that's what I can see. That's a forward looking agenda. That's what we need from Tucker. It's good to have monologues and explain the importance of foreign policy. We need to change. I, I get that. He's done a good job until now. But at some point, you need to take it to the next level. But I noticed the only next level is Mr. Trump. And he does it in a very subtle, obnoxious way. And again, you know, I'm, I'm a real masochist because not only do I go after Trump, but now I'm you know going after the best guy. And again, I'm not, I, I like him a lot. I like his personality. I like his delivery. I like his thought process. I like Tucker. But it's like, it reminds me of the First Step Act. He attacked it when it was Grassley's bill in committee. He attacked it when it was already over with. But in those critical months, in the fall of 2018, when Trump was kind of teetering whether to support it and then eventually did, stone silent. This is from Washington Examiner. Tucker praised former President Donald Trump during his first interview since leaving Fox. This was with a podcast, Stay Free with Russell Brand, aired on Friday. I think looking back on this 10 years from now, Assuming we're still around, I think we're going to see Trump's emergence as the most significant thing that happened in America, American politics in 100 years because he reoriented the Republican Party against the wishes of the Republican leaders. And he notes Ukraine, he really praises him as being the only good candidate on that, which is not true, um, forgets about the Lindsey Graham influence, and and how, even though I actually genuinely do think Trump does believe what he says on Ukraine, I have no doubt he does, just like I believe 100% he wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, but he didn't do it. Like, again, go back to last week's interview with Ken Cuccinelli. The problem with Trump is not so much that he doesn't believe in it, it's worse than that, because you could convince him to maybe believe in it. It's that he does and still doesn't execute because of people like Lindsey Graham, who wield influence, among many other flaws, with him. But I want to unpack that. Tucker is saying that he is the greatest, the the biggest influence in politics in 100 years. I have an unpopular view, and I've said it for Trump's entire tenure. Trump is the least consequential thing around. His haters believe he's the worst thing that ever came around. The lovers think he's the greatest thing. Honestly, he could die tomorrow. And the same problem we had, we're going to continue to have, namely, that we have a truculent, disgusting, Self-immolating, worse than self-immolating, but, but, but um, enemy within running America and all Western countries. They, they're coming for our life, our liberty, our property, everything. And, and the entire kind of pro-Trump right kind of recognizes that. They all say that. And we lack a legitimate opposition to it. That was true before Trump. It was true during Trump. And it's true now. And in fact, the only thing you could say is unique about Trump is that because of what he was perceived as doing, he activated the left to successfully implement that agenda, the most successful counter-offensive ever, and he was not prepared to stop it. So you can make the excuses all you want, the good intentions, but we are worse off now than we've ever been. And also, I, I look at this, it's like, it's like, He's changed the Republican thinking. Okay, look, there's a lot to say on this. I will give him credit for what he says. Again, he says a lot of things, regardless of what he does and outcomes. But yeah, I will give him credit on on questioning the orthodoxy when people didn't want to of the Iraq war. But there were people like me during the Obama administration that were writing columns on what the hell are we doing in Iraq and Afghanistan. I was into this much earlier than other people and the trend was heading there just partially just because of the failure. You couldn't defend it. We're going on years and years and years and what were what were we getting for it? So there's something very very subtle and profound in what Tucker said. He's right and wrong at the same time. He's right in the respect that among the majority of conservative influencers, they've moved more away from the neocons. But A, that trend was was really happening before Trump and was inevitably going to happen anyway. And B, it's all talk. But in reality, the military is worse than ever. The military agenda is worse than ever. And yes, that happened under Trump. He elevated Mattis and Kelly and... And and Millie, I mean, in many respects, it was among the defense people that his personnel choices were the worst. So yes, Trump's rhetoric was consistently meaning unlike the tranny stuff and the COVID stuff, and you know his Federal Reserve policies and the spending and the budget bills were prima facie he was terrible. When it comes to foreign policy, I I liked all of his speeches. We all did, but. The personnel were terrible, and his top people are Lindsey Graham and Rick Grenell. And Rick Grenell, by the way, is a neocon. It's not just the gay stuff and the trainee stuff. I, I don't understand how Tucker doesn't see through that. Tucker even did a monologue about the flattery, and everyone knows that's Trump's weakness. And they kiss kiss up. They're still doing it. So now he. He is the most transformative, the greatest thing in 100 years. Okay, show me the receipts. Not the intentions, not the rhetoric. Oh, he changed the Republican Party. No, he didn't! He refilled Rona McDaniel. Rona McDaniel was on the ropes. Probably wouldn't have survived against Hermit Dillon for RNC chair without his support. Kevin McCarthy survived! because of Trump's support. Mitch McConnell survived because Trump preemptively, when we were trying to recruit a candidate against him, survived because of his endorsement in 2020. And almost every senator, every neocon senator, you look at the Republican Senate Conference, it is as neocon as it has ever been. That has not changed. Like I say, you we could laugh at Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and genuinely they're not going to get much support and genuinely it is true that the base of the party has moved over but a lot of that was just education and frankly a lot of it was was also idolatry let's face it our people are as stupid as unprincipled as the left so the left you know suddenly became You know, they were anti-war under Bush. They were pro-war under Obama. So our side flipped. When it was a Republican president, it's no different with uh, Trump than it was with Bush. Everything Bush did was good because he was a Republican. So he supported it. After that, people kind of soured on it. And then it fully realigned in, you know, more recent years. So the base is realigned against neoconservatism. Among elected GOP, you look at the GOP governors, DeSantis was the only one who didn't use state funding to donate and virtue signal about, about Ukraine. He's like, it's a territorial dispute. We shouldn't get involved in it. I think Tucker's bothered by there was one time he said something negative about Putin. DeSantis, that is. But it's like, that's not the point. The point is not to get involved in it. What, so you wanted to say Putin's a great guy too? Okay, like, whatever, fine. But because of that, you're going to support Trump? That's pathetic. That's pathetic. At the end of the day, you will have more neocons surrounding Trump's foreign policy than DeSantis's. There's no question about that. But again, I don't care. You want to support Trump? Fine. But Tucker, where is your forward agenda? How come I can never get you to get on Christy Noem's case? Could you imagine if he would do a, do a thing on, on the carbon capture pipeline? Okay, get involved. Right now you have a Montana Senate primary, Matt Rosendale. Matt Rosendale is the leader in the United States House on Ukraine. He is the lead guy trying to cut off funding to Ukraine, along with Matt Gates, I guess. But Matt Rosendale, everything Tucker says he wants, that's what Matt Rosendale, he is the most MAGA guy you could ever have. And when I say MAGA, I don't mean Trump per se, but I mean the agenda. They recruited this Dan Crenshaw guy, McCarthy, McConnell, the entire system. And Trump's world is leaning towards endorsing him over Rosendale because Rosendale didn't support Kevin McCarthy, whom, by the way, Tucker says he hates. And to Tucker's credit, he was always going after him, making fun of him as Frank Luntz's roommate. But, but, when it came to the key fight of the speakers race, he was basically neutral. Barely. He, like, passive-aggressive, sarcastic comments wouldn't really take a side. What is so great about Tucker? I'm sick of it. In my business, you have to, ooh, yeah, Tucker, Tucker, ooh. No. What has he done for us? I could give you a list of 50 things he could do and influence tomorrow with a discernible policy outcome There's nothing to do with Trump versus DeSantis. Again, DeSantis has been around for a few months in terms of a national candidate. Where is the agenda to get every governor like that? Oh, you don't think he's good enough? Awesome. Get even better. Fine. Let's raise the bar. But no, they don't care. The Republican governors and senators are worse or as worse as they have ever been. The party has not changed. That is simply not true. For a number of reasons, because what Trump has done is because he is so not guided on policy, he has allowed the same powers to own the policies while he owns the rhetoric. That's number one. Number two is, more often than not, he has helped rather than harm the establishment in his, in his primary uh, uh, you know, endorsements. I, in all irony... The irony of all ironies, probably the greatest, most impactful endorsement ever, ever, from Trump. You know, what do, we, what do we need Trump for? We needed him because typically you have an establishment candidate who has more money and name ID and establishment support, and we can't beat them in a primary. And if only Trump would lend his name to our guy, at least 50-50, if not more, we, we would win primaries. And you look at it and, and he's like, I elected DeSantis. Like, good! That's a self-indictment. Why didn't you do that in every other race? Good. You finally did the right thing. You're right. It's good he did that. He has harmed us. On, But none of this matters to these people. To me, I look at Outcomes of primaries, outcomes of legislative sessions, outcomes of policies, trends, 10 years, 5 years, where are we on inflation, where are we on spending, where are we on immigration numbers, where are we on the culture? It's not the thought that counts. I don't know what the hell Tucker is saying. Daniel Horowitz at starmail.com, email me if you think I'm wrong. That he's, he's the biggest thing to have happened in 100 years. We make the most noise about it. By the way, people forget. Under Bush, the left was crazy. That's where the angry left began, moveon.org. And remember, we had the internet, but we didn't ever have social media. If you would plug Bush's presidency into that technology, or you say you had this technology back from 2001 through 2008, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's how the ideology works between R&D. I'm I'm just sick of this. Transformational what? The left did this. The left, because of what they did, they forced our base to believe in certain things. Because, like, you don't realize, certainly Trump accelerated the trend of white working class voting Republican. But even Romney, who's the antithesis of the type of candidate who would appeal to them, was drawing a lot more. That acceleration was already... Happening, You know, the Tea Party kind of started that where you had that realignment. Um, these trends were happening. People think, like, <laughs> you could go back to my columns. I was using the term. I didn't use America first because of Charles, Charles Lindbergh. So I, I, I use Americans first. Americans first was a slogan we were using years before him. I was writing columns 10 years before him on building a wall. Like, he didn't invent any of that. He took our stuff because he saw an opening, rightfully so, that no one else was filling that vacuum. And he, you know, he, he does understand marketing, and he marketed himself. But give me a break. What has this man done for us? I'm sick of it. But again, you want to disagree? I, to me, it's not worth fighting over a person. So, so fine, support the guy. But is that all you're going to do You're not going to start building lifeboats, building up our own places? And that's what I want to talk about, the different things we can do. So, again, I have this column out. We talked about the Ukraine part. Um, There's a bunch of great amendments that I have there. I have a whole list of them. Uh, Basically, it's going to be published to House Republicans should not pass a defense authorization bill without these eight policies. Um There's obviously important things about COVID fascism. The heartbreaking stories of people, you know, yeah, the last NDAA had a thing of you you can't kick them out, but what about the people already kicked out and demoted and being discriminated against? So we have amendments on that. The climate change stupidity within the military. The gender ideology. These are important, important things on our military. Very big week. We have some great amendments from Ralph Norman. Any DOD component that fails to pass an independent audit will have a 1.5% slash in its budget. Andy Biggs is a similar thing that requires DOD to perform an audit. And that account that fails the audit gets a reduction. Ken Buck has a couple of amendments banning lobbying and the revolving door from the defense industry to DOD and vice versa there's amendments to reprioritize the military at our border and we talked about the Warren Davidson amendment number 1375 actually has bipartisan support with a california liberal to require that basically anything that the government would have to obtain a warrant to get by themselves they can't purchase private cell phone data you know web searches location information internet history of citizens It's subject to the Fourth Amendment warrant requirement, even if the government pays to obtain the data. So these are just some of the things I have there. You could check out the piece. And this is the type of thing I'm going to continue doing. But again, these are all winnable issues. If we had a party where everyone was saying, this is what must happen in this bill. I'm not saying you can't have philosophical discussions. We have all of it. We do all of it. We talk about the broad issue. But you have to have a... You know, Ken. we're talking about ships today. Where are you steering? Where is the bow of that boat aimed towards? What are you trying to accomplish? Oh, it's terror. We, we just need to just burn down this. Yeah, exactly. But it's not being burned down. It's stronger than ever. It's burning us down. It's burning us down. Trump doesn't burn down this. He tells you that. Even now he tells you that. He's too scared to make very dramatic changes he doesn't want to get rid of the rnc chair He doesn't want to get rid of mccarthy he's too scared unless it becomes really personal you listen to him so many times he'll tell you the way he thinks when he's not president oh yeah the debt ceiling when he is president he said yeah when i was president you you could not raise the debt limit he's too scared of the instability He's the antithesis of what his supporters say. He is terrified. Because what happens is anything we want to do, they'll say it creates too much instability. It's not feasible. And he listens to that. This is what they told him about about Afghanistan. Everyone's all over Biden's mistakes in Afghanistan. But it was only a mistake because we didn't pull out properly when we should have under Trump. Now, the neocons want, want us to still be there, but... You know, all of us having this debate over Trump versus DeSantis would agree, no, that, that was ridiculous that we were there for so many years and what we we're doing there. But Trump, remember when he gave that famous speech, I really, against my better judgment, I think he used that term, he listened to the generals. But everyone's all into, look at the reception Trump got at the UFC when he came out with uh, Dana White. Yeah, yeah, what, what, what does that do for us? What does that do for us? And then you talk about other outcomes. Going into this year of GOP control of the House, the debt ceiling deal, the debt ceiling was, that was the big enchilada. And now the budget bills are, but it's not like anyone's obsessing about, here's what you need to do on the budget. So it's the same thing. They're just, and to the extent that there's a fight, it's over the spending levels, but not the policies. The policies on vaccines, Ukraine, you know, critical race theory, the tranny stuff, the border, the weaponization, energy, the Green New Deal, defunding all of that. Those are the marquee issues. We can't afford to fiddle and play music and be satiated on nonsense. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. But anyway, you want to talk about failure. Do you know that the debt is now 32, almost 32.5 trillion? It went up, it hit the marker, over a trillion dollars. I've been monitoring this. The Treasury has now issued a trillion more in debt since McCarthy cut the deal. Five weeks worth. Do you understand what it means to service a trillion in debt? At these interest rates, at these interest rates, what that's going to do, systemically, with the cost of living, the misallocation of resources in the economy. Again, we'll talk more about that tomorrow with our, a, a new guest that I'm very happy to present. But, yeah, I mean, this is another failure. And Trump refused to take sides in the debt ceiling deal. Because this is the problem, once you support McCarthy, you're not going to want to look like you're criticizing anything he does. What good is he? And again, Tucker didn't take sides in it either. He was putting out videos already by then, you know, it was after that break between he being kicked out of Fox and whatever. The biggest, he just like ruminates about an issue in, 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 in the abstract. But he won't direct his influence that he really does have. Could you imagine if a portion of my show would be Tucker's show? Could you imagine where we would be at? But nothing. Nothing. And this is how things have not changed. Let me give you an example. There's a great article from the Washington Post. They opposed the infrastructure law. Now some of the GOP court its cash. So just like with the Green New Deal, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Infrastructure Act was kind of a similar thing, where basically government did to transportation infrastructure what they did to healthcare. Government completely took it over, not just with the wasteful spending and the cronyism and the misallocation of resources, but also with all the green stuff. So now you have all these red ribbon ceremonies, Republicans support it the red state should say we're not taking a penny of the infrastructure bill or the ira bill like we did with medicaid's expansion well now they're taking it but um and and it, it talks about all these republican senators and governors you know how they're praising it tommy tuberville the jerk from alabama and yeah they're they're aggressively uh courting it and they're all for it. They benefit from it. Transportation Department unveiled 2.2 billion in recipients to help you know, different infrastructure. I'm pleased Senator Bozeman and I were able to secure the grants for these projects in Arkansas, Cotton said in a joint statement last month. And again, I mean, you could debate over how much of it you should not take depending on what it is and what it isn't. But certainly the green energy stuff. But it's still going on. It's still going on. Nobody has an answer for this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I have a plan. My plan is to dog red county and red state governments, pressure the governor... Pressure the legislative session with action items on the top 10 civilization issues. Fight it at a state and local level. Fight the primaries. And, you know, federally get involved in the must-pass bills. I have an agenda for the Farm Bill, the Pandemic Reauthorization Bill, FISA reauthorization, the NDAA, and the appropriation bills. But we didn't have an agenda on the debt ceiling. We seated it. No one focused on it. So McCarthy did his thing. And then when he hatched the bad deal, and we had a couple of days to fight it. All the big guns, Tucker and Trump, remained silent. How is Tucker not just doing a Trump himself? I'm just saying I expect more from him. It's funny. The only thing he'll weasel his way into is Trump is amazing. Okay, I guess so. You know, one of our listeners sent me the Jackson City Council. It's Jackson, Wyoming. There was a guy who voted to install AI-driven Chinese mass surveillance. So that's the thing. You have all these cities and counties adopting this, like, AI technology. It's very dangerous. And this guy says, I don't like this guy named Schechter. I don't like this particular arc of this particular part of history. I'm screaming stop as I vote yes. (laughs) So, like, he votes for it. Um, you know, we need to ban this technology at a local level, meaning everything you hate about the surveillance state, the biomedical security state, the tranny stuff, the climate change stuff, even, you know, indulgence and acceptance of illegal immigration. You'd be surprised how all this is being done in red localities. Where is the effort? See, the left might have a few titanic violin players like our side has. But it doesn't undermine their broader movement, how they have legal policy people in all 3,000 county governments and all 50 state governments and all subcommittees of every committee of every legislature and Congress. And certainly the legal part, you know, in every state and federal district and appellate court that they could muster to steer, uh, steer their policies through. They have a movement. And that's the thing. I don't, to me, the, the Trump versus DeSantis thing, it's not in itself that important, ultimately, who wins. Other than, I mean, down the ballot, it could matter. And, you know, if you believe that we have to win the presidency, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that Trump is more electable. But whatever, I'm not even, that's, notice that's not even primarily my argument here, or my primary argument. Imagine if we got together and we had a pledge that any Republican who votes for Ukraine funding, for the vaccines, for gay marriage, we will not support them even in a general election. And you have organizations that that spend a little bit of money and circulate petitions. And you have X numbers. So let's say you could say you're in Iowa. We said this at the time. Joni Ernst voted for mandating uh, gay marriage. And you get – 30% of Iowa Republicans saying, I will never vote for her, even in a general election. And you start a campaign like that. And then you start like RFK. Everyone's like, RFK, RFK. and But they focus on RFK in a meaningless way in a Democrat presidential primary. But what it would get bad if you took an RFK sort of guy, ran him as an indie, in a general, in a case where you can't get a good Republican in? A guy like that, depending on the state, like if you would run an RFK, we said this in Idaho, we tried with Ammon Bundy, when you had a terrible, you had a Democrat that you know barely got 15% because Democrats don't get much in, in Idaho, and you had Brad Little, who's their incumbent governor, horrible. Imagine if you ran a guy like RFK for governor in Idaho. You would be able to win potentially a three-man race. These are all things that are very achievable. And then again, focus on the primaries. Lieutenant Governor in Mississippi is the most powerful position. We have a classic Rhino versus great guy matchup with Chris McDaniel challenging, um, what's his name, Hoseman, Delbert Hoseman in Mississippi this is coming up soon. Okay? We already lost the Kentucky primary. We have a McConnell acolyte that is a Trump McConnell. There's so much overlap, by the way. By the way, dirty dirty little secret, McConnell and the Trump world are on the same side in almost every single primary. And it's so cute watching some of these online influencers, writers, talkers, Fox people. By the way, including a lot of people that literally made their name and living off of Fox, but now that the ship's kind of going down, they're like, yeah, Fox sucks. (laughs) It's really funny. But anyway, these guys would totally hate these candidates, and they do in other contexts, but once Trump supports them, oh, I'm a beast, there's no effort. Ryan Gerdusky is the only guy who has a good effort For this, the 1776 project funding uh, school board candidates. I don't see this effort anywhere else. And again, the effort to switch from popular primaries to state conventions, caucuses. And and again, the legislative sessions. We have a half a year, less than a half a year, about a half a year, to work on this coming year's legislative session. Okay, January 2025 is far off. January 2024 is not as far off. Oh, we're going to die if Republicans don't win the presidency. Well, what if you made January 2024 the legislative session where all of your Tucker-like people would focus on these are the 10 things we want to accomplish in the 25 or so red states, and you focus on it? Could you imagine what a different country we'd have. I don't know if you could f- fix the ship. I don't know if I even want to, but I know I'll have 25 lifeboats to get off that ship and survive. That's what we need to work on. It requires a mindset that we are the masters of the GOP, not the servants. You hold their feet to the... Vi- and also, I talked about caucuses too. and And... Andy Roth of the State Freedom Caucus Network is doing the best job of this. See, I'm kind of giving a shout-out to the few good organizations I see that are kind of doing this, but we need it with more funding, more people, more names backing what they're doing. I can't be the biggest show elevating the State Freedom Caucus Network where you basically— everyone's like, well, we don't have another party. Okay, well, run as a Republican, but then you form caucuses where you basically force a parliamentary you know, coalition government. These are all ideas. Ideas on strategy, on elections, on governing, and policy issue outcomes that you want. On paper, everything I'm saying, all these guys, and certainly someone like Tucker would agree with, but what are they doing? Because if you're not going to lead us in any positive directions other than piss on DeSantis and elevate Trump... How are you helping us? You're only harming our agenda. You're only harming our agenda. Because you're going to give headwinds to this, not tailwinds. And there's literally nothing the Trump world could do. The campaign that will elicit any degree of rebuke. Any degree of rebuke. One of the things I like about the criticism of DeSantis is like, if there's, like, a second cousin of a donor of DeSantis that that's wrong on an issue, like, everyone will be all over his case. Like, that, that's kind of good, because he'd—see, if he won, he'd be on a short leash. Whereas with Trump, his top guys and he himself could say and do the most liberal things on the most critical issues of our time, and it's all good. It's all good. You know, another big story of the weekend that that you'll probably hear a lot on talk radio is— a man winning the Miss Netherland beauty pageant. And the reality is, Trump was the first person as a CEO of a pageant to allow this. That's number one. But also it's a broader problem, and this really is not the place to do it at the end of the show, but I want to I explore this maybe later this week, how erasing womanhood began before tra- transgenderism and cross-dressing. That's just the final kind of absurd manifestation. But this whole you-go-girl, like, defeating feminine character traits, making it that women have to work full-time even during childbearing years, and de-emphasizing womanhood and motherhood and feminine traits and making women act like men, talk like men. I, there's a lot to talk about with that, that all of us have bought into, the phony right and people that call themselves conservatives to this day. But now, it's literally to the point that they've even bought into cross-dressing. Bruce Jenner is amazing, and they'll call him Caitlyn. All the Trump supporters. Caitlyn. Just don't... Get out of the pool! Get out of the pool! Don't have the man in the female, you know, 200-meter swim race. Unbelievable. Playing music while the ship goes down. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to play the music. I'm going to a... Scrape and scramble for every lifeboat, every deck chair, anything to grab onto to create some sort of vestige of sanity and liberty and survival for us and our posterior. I don't have time for this, and neither should you. These people need to do better. They've earned enough money to live a life out for them and their families a hundred times over. You know what I mean? You earned your money already. What do you have to worry about? Ooh, ooh. It's like Tucker will do a monologue on transgenderism. But how do you not address the 800-pound balls cutter in the room? The pioneer of public persona of cross-dressing is Bruce Jenner. Is he not? Name me someone who is earlier and more prominent than him, and he is Trump's biggest surrogate, and getting that entire movement, it's not just in a vacuum, it's it's actually influencing the policy of Trump, and you have nothing to say about it. So I don't want to hear a word about transgenderism then. It is bankrupt. It is morally bankrupt. It's disgusting. How you will say one thing, but to accommodate one stupid freaking man, you'll throw it all overboard. Doesn't matter. I'll go down with the ship. Trump's your violin. Stop with the freaking idolatry. See, the good thing about Part of why I want DeSantis is just because... No one's going to change their position. Let's say DeSantis starts taking a liberal position. No one's going to change because of that. And that's what we should demand. But no, Tucker, the Republican Party has not changed. And you kind of need to look into, in, in the mirror as to why you have not been effective. You start going after Kristi Noem and some of these governors for what they're doing. You go after Bruce Jenner. That this is not acceptable for a Republican to believe that a man could be a woman. That is not acceptable. Okay? Then then maybe I'll respect you a little bit more. Until then, I just don't see what these monologues are doing. We're not just about monologues. We're about action. We're going to work towards our legislative sessions more as well. Let me know if I'm being too harsh. Daniel Horowitz Daniel at startmail.com. Whew. I know I spoke very quickly today, tried to get it in in a full hour, too much to start off the week. Again, we're going to have a special show on inflation, the Federal Reserve, and the legacy of COVID on the economy tomorrow. Let me know your questions, comments, and concerns. Until then, God bless y'all, thank you for listening.